Hi, and welcome to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message, where we study scripture together verse by verse. Let's jump in now for this week's message. He's not finished working on you. He's still working on you. It's not complete. God's work in you has begun, but it's not completed yet. While the Holy Spirit, I love this, while the Holy Spirit is present in you, he spent the last 20 verses explaining this, while the Holy Spirit is present in you and you have been made alive in Christ Jesus, a part of you still suffers the consequences of sin. Paul teaches that. It's not just that you have that feeling. Right? Because there's a part of us that says, well, I'm redeemed. I should never sin. Well, as long as you live in this body, guess what? Our full rights have not been realized. Does that give you a little hope? That gives you something to anticipate, huh? It's like something good is about to happen. Our full rights as adopted children into God's kingdom have not been realized. It's kind of like having a driver's license but no car to drive. Do you remember that? Oh, the anxiety. Dad, can I drive your car? And he's like, if you've got gas money. I'm like, oh no. God has adopted you. The deal has been completed. While our souls have been resurrected to new life, that is only part of the equation. God is going to resurrect these bodies as well. And just because it's become a very common question, people ask, well, what about cremation? How is God going to put this body back together if I'm cremated? That's a legitimate question. I do equate it to people who have been dead for 6,000 years and their bodies have been completely decomposed. I mean, that would be one explanation. If God can take all of the decomposed bodies for thousands of years and put them all back together, surely he can put your ashes back together. Get over it. But number two to that is that he is promising a resurrection to a new body. Body. So while I believe in a physical resurrection, sweetheart, I've told you this many times before. If I die whenever I'm 100 and I'm resurrected 100 years old, I'm going to be a little disappointed. <laughs> that ain't cool. I mean, I'm coming up on 40. And there's some things about this body that I would like a refund on. Acid reflux is the top of them. Lack of endurance is the next one. Yeah, this body's not great. We get all, oh, bodily resurrection. No, no, no. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Anyways, while our souls have been resurrected, that's only part of the equation. God is going to resurrect these bodies to a new body. Bodies that are not inhibited by the effects of sin. That's the best part of the new body. Are you with me? A body that is not affected by sin. Romans chapter 8, verse 24. Here we go. We were given this hope. What hope? The hope of God's glory in a new glorious body. (laughs) Oh, it's so hard to live for Jesus. Read your Bible. Please read your Bible. We were given this hope when we were saved, when we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. You see, we don't have it all. We hope for it. But if we look forward to something, 
It's because we don't have it yet. We must wait patiently and confidently. I know some of us struggle with that, right? We suffer the effects of sin in these bodies now, today. We do. Paul said it, and we can all affirm that. We suffer the effects of sin in these bodies. We suffer pride. We suffer selfishness. We suffer laziness. We suffer death and disease. We suffer the effects of sin in these bodies. But we suffer with hope. We suffer with hope. I've told you guys before I do funerals and every once in a while I do a funeral for an unsaved person. And I'm telling you, the feeling, the environment of a funeral for someone who was not a follower of Christ is so different than a funeral for someone who was a follower of Christ. There, there is a significant difference in knowing that this person died, but we have hope for them, as opposed to this person died, and there's no hope. It ain't cool. We suffer the sinfulness of our bodies today but we suffer it with a hope. We suffer with a purpose. We suffer patiently and confidently that there is a glorious reward about to be revealed in the lives of believers. Believers do suffer, but we suffer with a purpose. We suffer with a hope, a hope of glory. It's good preaching, Brent. Yes, really good. All right, number three. The Holy Spirit suffers. What? The Holy Spirit suffers? That doesn't make any sense. We don't think about that. Paul is going to tie all of this back to the previous point of the fullness of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in the believer. Okay, you got that in your brain? The Holy Spirit suffers as well after he has just talked about the fullness of God in the believer, baptizo. And the Holy Spirit, verse 26, sorry, I got all wound up there. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. I'm gonna pause right there for a moment because I need you to just get your brain around that one sentence. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Is it hard? Yes. Are you weak? Yes. Do you have the Holy Spirit? Yes. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. Paul is just incredibly attuned to problems that regular Christians have. Because how many times have I heard people say, you know, we're going to pray for so-and-so, but I just don't know exactly what to pray right? Okay, I'm the only one that's done that. Um, you guys always know what to pray, evidently. So, for example, this, this is all about, you know, this sermon is for me, evidently. You guys just say, amen, Brent. Um, you preach to yourself. Okay, for example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings, there's that word, that cannot be expressed in words. And I really want you to get your, your imagination going here. Our flesh clutters up our desires, right? I mean, you think back to Romans 7, where Paul is talking about, he says, uh, well, for us, is we are weak. 
we do what we don't want to do and we don't do what we want to do and it's so frustrating and, and our flesh clutters up our desires. Without the flesh, there would be no part of me that says, I'm going to say that again really slow because I want you to really get what I'm saying. Without the flesh, there would be no part of me that says, hey, sin is looking really good today. Am I the only one that feels that way? Y'all are making me, I'm, I'm feeling condemnation. <laughs> Brent, Brent wakes up in the morning and is like, sin's attractive. <laughs> yes, and you do too, you bunch of heathens, liars. Without the flesh, we would very clearly know the will of God. Because mm. <laughs> there again, church people are always ah, just searching for God's will. God's will is clear. Our fleshly desires is what clutters it up. That's just the way it is. Without the flesh, we would very clearly know the will of God and be able to know what God wants us to pray. So, because we still are attached to these bodies that are filled with sin, so we trust the Holy Spirit to pray for us. <laughs> now, I know not everybody feels this, but for some of you, there's a little tension. I'll pray my own prayer to God. I don't need the Holy Spirit praying for me. I don't, know, I don't know if the Holy Spirit will pray what I want because I really want the leather seats. And sometimes the Holy Spirit's like, no, you want the cloth. And I say, no, you, you know, you understand what I'm saying? We trust the Holy Spirit to pray for us. The scripture says the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. So listen, 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 listen. Creation groans in suffering. Why? Because of sin. We groan in suffering because we're attached to this body that's filled with sin. Paul is telling us that the Holy Spirit is groaning, is suffering as well. The Holy Spirit groans or is suffering because of our weakness, the unholiness of our physical bodies. Do you think he enjoys being attached to our sinful flesh? No, he doesn't. Trust me, the Holy Spirit is looking forward eagerly to you and I having new bodies one day as well. Are you with me? I mean, some of you are thinking that I'm just on this narcissistic track. I'm really not. Scripture tells us that creation is looking forward to the day that you and I have glorified bodies Creation is looking at us saying, you pathetic puke, one of these days you'll be glorified by God and I can't wait for that day to happen. The Holy Spirit is even with us saying, you sinful, purposeless person. I can't wait until you have a new body where you will be glorified. The Holy Spirit is praying for us and some of us are wondering, well, what is this this Holy Spirit asking God in our behalf. Verse 27, I'm glad you were thinking that direction. That carries us to verse 27. And the Father, oh, and the Father who knows all hearts, he knows why you want the leather seats. 
He knows why you want whatever it is you want. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. Because the previous verse said that the Spirit prays with groanings that words cannot express. So the, the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Holy Spirit is saying for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Now, we got to absorb this here. And the Father who knows all hearts God who intentionally is aware of what is in your heart. Not necessarily what you do, but what's really in your heart. Those are two different things, right? I mean, you can come to church and you can dress nice, smile nice, offer somebody else coffee. And in the meantime, in your mind, you're like, I want to slap that person. I mean, I don't think that way. Other people do. I just want to hug everybody. I love everyone. Right? You have those moments, those mornings, right? God who is intentionally aware of what is in your heart. God who is aware of the dissonance you feel between the spirit in you and your body. God is aware of that dissonance. Are you with me? Because we, get, we want to heap condemnation on ourselves and, oh, I sinned and God's going to hate me. And God's like, dude, I've been around you for a long time. I know what's in your heart. I know that there's a part of your flesh that pulls towards the cesspool. I know that. But we're going to ask for God's will and we're going to bring you back this way. It's okay. God is aware of the dissonance that you feel uh, between the spirit in you and your body. He also knows what the spirit is praying for you. And he says, the spirit pleads for us believers. I think that that's pretty spectacular. The Holy Spirit is approaching God the Father. He pleads for you and I in harmony with God's own will. Listen carefully. You have to picture what is happening here. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who knows God's will, is in prayer to God for God's will in your life. Do you see how intertwined that is? The spirit who knows God's will is praying to God for God's will in your life. If there was ever a case of insider trading, this is it. The Holy Spirit has the inside track of both parties. God knows what you want and the Holy Spirit inside of you knows what God wants. And the Holy Spirit of God prays and pleads that God's will for you will be done today and he's praying to God. Pretty fantastic. And then we want to insert ourselves. Uh, I'm loving this theme of insert yourself. Go ahead, go ahead. God the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are working out this fantastic salvation. And then we come along, ah, I want to contribute. They're like, what? Stay still, just be still. Just go stand in the river, please. Just stand there and hold your fishing rod. Be still. Not to diminish anyone, the Holy Spirit is praying. And what is, God, what is the Holy Spirit praying for us? God's will. 
Now, I know, some of you are like, what about my will? Who cares about your will? The Holy Spirit is praying God Almighty's will for your life. Get over yourself. So, not to diminish anyone, but you know who is better than grandma to be praying for you? Because I hear that all the time. Grandma's been praying for me. Okay. You know what the Bible says? The Holy Spirit of the living God is praying for you too. I think I want grandma. No, come on. God, who knows God, is praying that you will become more like God. If you got something better than that, I'll preach it. But I don't know. The Holy Spirit is petitioning God on your behalf that you will live a life that glorifies him. Wow. The Holy Spirit is suffering because of our sin too. He, be- he longs for our lives to align, to be in harmony with God's glorious will. That's what the Holy Spirit is up to. Number four. God works for his glory. It seems like since I preached the whole series for his glory, every sermon has a way of bending back to why? For God's glory. Yeah. All right, verse 28. For we know, oh yeah, God works for his glory, Romans 8, 28. For we know, we know, it's a head knowledge. We know academically that God causes, we have a problem with this. We know that God, who is almighty creator, causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Again, I could camp on this for a whole hour. It's kind of like like hiring someone to do your yard work, right? They come over and they're going to do your yard work. And when they get there, they say, you know what? I would rather just wash your car and call it a day. Like, yeah, but I hired you for a specific, I brought you here with a specific purpose of doing yard work. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm just going to, I have one of those California dust mop things and I'm just going to do your car and, and I'm out of here. I'm, yeah, it's good to see you, right? We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Remember back in verse 20, he says, all creation is subjected. Uh, that word is, the implication is that God subjects creation. There's, he's active in that. That all creation is subjected to God's curse or subjected to futility. It is futility is that, that special kind of emptiness without a purpose. Okay? Well, guess what? God has a purpose. All that sin took away, God is going to come along and he's going to fill. We do not live under the futility of sin. We live according to the purpose, the will of God. We live according to the purpose and the will of God. So what is God's purpose for you? 
Again, a question that is asked over and over in Christianity. I'm glad that you're wondering what God's purpose for you is. Here it is in Romans 8, 29 and 30. It says, I'm going to read this slowly. For God knew his people in advance. Just want you to get your brain around that. God knew his people in advance. And he chose them to become, he doesn't just choose us. See, we get, sometimes we get hung up on, well, God just chose me and so now it's all okay. No, 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 no. He chose you to a purpose. Watch this. And he chose them to become what? Like his son. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's all right. Okay. That's all right. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So God doesn't have an only child, right? Verse 30, and having chosen them, he called them to come to him and having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. Some of your Bibles say justified. That's a high dollar word. And having called them, he gave them the right, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. Are you with me? We love to argue all of the, the calling, the choosing, the knowing. We like to argue all that. And in arguing all that, we miss the last phrase that says, he gave them, he gave you and I his glory. Church, our suffering now is nothing, especially in our, our world right now. I mean, I mean, presently for you and I, where we're at. I know that there are Christians being persecuted in other parts of the world, but um, our suffering is really pretty, pretty minimal right now. Our suffering is nothing compared to the glory God is working to reveal in us and through us. Listen carefully. God has been purposeful about you from the very beginning. God has been purposeful about you from the very beginning. Well, Brent, I'm just a little old me. I'm really not that important. The creator of heavens and earth has been intentionally planning to demonstrate his glory in you, I think, before Genesis 1-1. He's like, watch this. I'm gonna take a vessel of clay that is cracked, it's broken, it's ugly, it's good for nothing, and I'm gonna make it glorious. That's what God does with us. You didn't know who I was calling a crackpot, right? <laughs> while you were in a slave to sin, while you were a slave to sin, remember we were in Romans 6? While you were a slave to sin, I, I need you to picture that. Some of you are pushing back. I can tell by the look on your eyes. You're like, is he almost finished? Are we coming close? No. <clears throat> 
while you were a slave to sin, while you were out there doing things that defile the holiness of God, God knew you. God knew you before you were a twinkle in your daddy's eye. God knew you. While you were a slave to sin, God chose you to be like his son. Well, Brent, I was out there being a heathen. Yeah, that's exactly the point. While you were out there being a total heathen, God said, I'm going to take that vessel and I'm going to make it glorious. While you were a slave to sin, God called you to himself. He says, hey, Brent, you don't always have to just stand in the river. You can do something really great. While you were a slave to sin, God paid your debt so that you would no, no so that you would have no condemnation any longer but Brent I was out there sinning yes god paid your debt so that there would be no condemnation for you he made you god made you holy really yeah that's it, that's it. God made you holy so that he could bring you to himself because God's not gonna put up with your sinfulness. So he paid the price for your sinfulness, made you holy so that he can reconcile you to him. While you were a slave to sin, God is at work to give you his glory. Listen carefully, I really am at the end. While you are still a sinner, God is purposefully, intentionally working out a plan in your life to put his glory in you and through you. You are God's masterpiece. Again, we look at creation. It's wonderful. It's marvelous. We look at the pictures of space and the Hubble's telescope and all of this going on. It is wonderful. It is marvelous. This morning I was driving to church and I'm listening to this guy talk about heaven uh, to a preacher talking about heaven and how if we understood heaven, we would be longing for it more. Uh, we have all of these things that God has created and we say, wow. But Ephesians tells us that we are God's masterpiece. We are his handiwork like a blank canvas on which God paints his character, his nature. He demonstrates his love and his grace. He shows his mercy through us, in us, on us. It is through Jesus that you have been redeemed to his likeness. Isn't that cool? The work of God, the work of God in you, it is glorious. It is glorious. So, church, our suffering is nothing compared to the glory of God working to reveal, working, <clears throat> I'm going to read it. Our suffering is nothing compared to the glory God is working to reveal through us. We can endure anything this world throws at us. We can endure anything this world throws at us because we have the glory of God to live for. We can overcome any temptation of the flesh. I believe that, by the way. 
We're not slaves to sin anymore. We're filled with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we have the hope of God's glory in our lives. So we can overcome any temptation of the flesh because we have the glory of God to live for. We have the promise of a new and glorified body. A body that is not tainted by the sin of this world. A body that is built for eternity. A body that is created to display the glory of the one and only eternal God. We suffer with a glorious purpose. We suffer a little for a glorious purpose. I do not apologize for putting my faith in Jesus Christ. God has a purpose for me. My purpose is not to exalt the ideas of this materialistic world, but to exalt God. So yes, I am different. My sin and the sins of others is of great concern to me. It bothers me. But my hope, my faith is in Jesus, that he paid the price for my sin. My hope, my faith is in the Holy Spirit, that he has given me eternal life. My hope, my faith is in God, that he knows me. He has chosen me. He has called me in spite of me. He's called me. He has adopted me. He has purchased me. And he has allowed me to share in his glory. You've been listening to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message. We would like to invite you to one of our service times at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings here in Farmington, New Mexico. If you'd like more information, please visit our website at desertheightschurch.com.